Chapter 1 Aviation History Section 1A Aviation Fundamentals 1.1 Introduction to Aviation History Aviation history, particularly the early years of aviation fundamentals, provides an understanding of the foundations of air power. This chapter on aviation history contains information on the beginning of the aviation industry and the evolution of air power in the early days. Material in this chapter examines how participation in wars and conflicts throughout our history helped drive innovation and technological advancements to develop the U.S. Air Force into the greatest air force in the world. Note, several significant historical events associated with air and space flight, and most importantly, the legacy of the men and women in the U.S. Air Force are foundations of the Air Force of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Chapters 1 and 2 are designed in chronological order. Significant events may overlap or may have occurred simultaneously. Therefore, dates are considered for the general purposes of providing a timeline of aviation history and Air Force heritage. Note, many military projects, exercises, and operations are identified by names or titles. Several factors are considered before establishing and publishing names for operations. Operational names are a combination of one or two separate unclassified words that are assigned an unclassified meaning and used for unclassified administrative, morale, or public information purposes. Typically, there are four general suggestions for naming operations. Make them meaningful, target key audiences, avoid fashion, and make them memorable. 1.2. First Flights The dream of flight has nearly always existed. It was when two French brothers launched a hot air balloon in 1783 that man was able to fly. Approximately a decade later, military aviation became a noteworthy potential when, in 1794, the French Aerostatic Corps' balloons accompanied the armies of the French Revolution. European advancements in balloons, gliders, and aerodynamics continued to progress rapidly. By 1853, Britain's Sir George Cayley created a glider with fixed wings cambered airfoil, and horizontal and vertical stabilizers. These gliders eventually evolved into flying machines similar to today's hang gliders. In 1861, a balloon corps provided aerial observation and reconnaissance for the Union Army during the American Civil War. The seven balloons in the inventory proved to be useful, but they were fragile and vulnerable to weather conditions. In 1863, the Army disbanded the Union Army Balloon Corps. Orville and Wilbur Wright. In the early 1900s, Orville and Wilbur Wright conducted more than 1,000 glides and achieved the first powered, sustained, controlled airplane flight, heralding the age of heavier-than-air aviation. When President Theodore Roosevelt established an aeronautical division in the U.S. Army Signal Corps on August 1, 1907, the Wright brothers offered the only flyable aircraft that met specifications for its first military airplane. The flying machine had to carry two people with a combined weight of 350 pounds or less, and it needed to be able to fly for over 125 miles at an average speed of 40 miles per hour. Despite a crash on the 17th of September 1908, seriously injuring Orville and killing passenger Lieutenant Thomas E. Selfridge, by 1909 the U.S. Army accepted its first of many aircraft, the Signal Corps No. 1, from the Wright Company. Subsequently, the Wright brothers trained several U.S. Army pilots, including Henry H. Happ Arnold, future commander of the U.S. Army Air Forces. 1.3 Aeronautical Division, Signal Corps, 
1st of August, 1907 through the 18th of July, 1914. When the Aeronautical Division Signal Corps was established in 1907, the Army inevitably found itself in possession of several balloons that had been retained since the disbandment of the Balloon Corps. With that discovery, the Army realized the need for trained enlisted men to conduct balloon inflations and make necessary repairs. That year, Eddie Ward and Jason Barrett reported in at the Leo Stevens Balloon Factory in New York, New York. They were the first enlisted men in the aeronautical division to be schooled in the rudiments of fabric handling, folding, and stitching. They were also taught the manufacturing of buoyant gases and became experts in the inflation and control of the Army's aircraft. Developing an inventory and ensuring the safety of the pilots were two significant concerns regarding military aviation in the Signal Corps. Enlisted crews not only repaired the planes, they labored to make them safer to fly. They provided day-to-day -day support for a handful of officer pilots, learned new skills as airplane mechanicians, aircraft mechanics with skills and knowledge to maintain and repair aircraft engines, airframes, controls, and systems, and furthered skills as mechanics, riggers, and fitters. The enlisted detachment was a small band of enlisted airmen who shared in the first steps of establishing military aviation as a permanent part of the nation's defense. By October 1912, the Aeronautical Division consisted of 11 aircraft with 14 flying officers and 39 enlisted mechanics, making it relatively equivalent to forces in Europe. In 1913, the first Aero Squadron was activated. It is recognized as the oldest squadron in the U.S. Air Force. Right by plane chief mechanic, Frank Scott. Corporal Frank Scott enlisted in the field artillery branch of the U.S. Army in 1908 and cross-trained into the Signal Corps in 1911. He was initially assigned to launching and releasing of hot air balloons and was soon transferred to work on the Type B Wright biplane. As a chief mechanic, Corporal Scott was offered an opportunity to accompany the pilot, Lieutenant Rockwell, on a test flight. On 28 September 1912, when the pilot attempted to land, the aircraft experienced engine trouble. It unfortunately became Scott's first and only flight. Both Corporal Scott and Lieutenant Rockwell lost their lives that day. Corporal Frank Scott was the first enlisted person to die in an accident in a military aircraft. Scott Field, now Scott Air Force Base, Illinois, was named in his honor. First Enlisted Pilots In June 1941, Congress passed Public Law 99, which authorized an enlisted pilot training program. The law permitted enlisted men between ages 18 and 25 who graduated in the top half of their high school class to apply. By contrast, aviation cadets had to have two years of college and be at least 21 years old. Class 42C, the first class of flying sergeants graduated as enlisted pilots on the 7th of March, 1942. One half graduated from Kelly Field, Texas, and the other half graduated from Ellington Field, Texas. All of Class 42C went on to fly P-38s. Subsequent classes were assigned to various types of aircraft in both combat and support units. First American Enlisted Pilot, Vernon L. Burge. The story of enlisted pilots began long before the official enlisted pilot training program was established. In the early 1900s, Captain Frank B. Lom commanded a newly opened air school in the Philippines. Lom had trouble finding enough officers to train, so Corporal Vernon L. Burge, Lom's crew chief, volunteered and received his pilot's license in June 1912. He is recognized as the first American enlisted pilot, one of only a handful of World War I enlisted aviators. After 10 years as an enlisted man, 
Burge was commissioned during World War I and served the next 25 years as an officer. Father of Blind Flight, William C. Ocker. Sergeant William C. Ocker entered the U.S. Army on 25 June 1898. He served in the Spanish-American and Philippine-American Wars with cavalry and artillery units. After requesting a transfer, on 20 April 1914, he officially joined Burge, the first enlisted pilot, and Lamke, the second enlisted pilot, as the third enlisted pilot. During World War I, while instructing other pilots, Ocker addressed the hazards of flying into clouds, which invariably disoriented pilots. He developed a flight integrator, an electrically driven gyroscope with a moving background scroll that depicted a sky with clouds and a miniature airplane silhouette that remained correctly oriented relative to the horizon. In June 1930, Ocker flew approximately 900 miles from San Antonio, Texas to Scottfield, Illinois in an enclosed cockpit, earning him recognition as the father of blind flight. In January 1955, the U.S. Air Force posthumously awarded the Legion of Merit to Ocker for the many lives saved during World War II as a result of the training devices he pioneered. 1.4 Aviation Section, Signal Corps, 18th of July 1914 through the 20th of May 1918. On 18 July 1914, with the passage of U.S. House Resolution 5304, the bill authorized the Signal Corps to establish an aviation section. This new launch pad for aviation was officially designated as Aviation Section Signal Corps, consisting of 60 officers and 260 enlisted men. The bill created an official military rating for the aviation mechanician, which called for a 50% pay increase for enlisted men who were instructed in the art of flying while on flying status. The total number of personnel was limited to 40, with no more than 12 enlisted men authorized by law but it was a major breakthrough for enlisted aviators. The aviation section was a significant step toward establishing the Army Air Service. 1.5. Mexican Revolution and the Pancho Villa Expedition During the Mexican Revolution of 1910 to 1920, Francisco Pancho Villa's forces raided Columbus, New Mexico. In 1916, President Woodrow Wilson ordered the 1st Aero Squadron to assist ground forces in protecting the border and apprehending Pancho Villa. Commanded by Captain Benjamin Foulois, 11 pilot officers, 82 enlisted men, and one civilian mechanic departed from San Antonio, Texas with eight Curtis JN3 Jennies, 10 trucks, and six motorcycles. On the way, Foulois picked up two enlisted hospital corpsmen and an engineering section consisting of one officer and 14 enlisted. Despite the 1st Aero Squadron's successful reconnaissance flights and several dispatches, mountain weather, dust, extreme temperatures, and the 5,000 feet elevations of the Casa Grandes in Chihuahua, Mexico, wreaked havoc with the aircraft. Within one month, only two of the eight airplanes were in working condition. In February, after almost a year of what was commonly referred to as the punitive expedition, the pursuit of Pancho Villa was called off. Villa continued to lead rebels in northern Mexico until 1920 when he successfully negotiated with the Mexican interim president for amnesty in exchange for a peace settlement on behalf of himself and his military. Captain Foulois commended his pilots for their bravery and their willingness to fly clearly dangerous aircraft. He also praised the enlisted personnel for their dedication and willingness to work day and night to keep the aircraft flying. Valuable lessons were learned about the realities of aviation under field conditions. Adequate maintenance was essential as were plenty of backup aircraft while other airplanes were removed from the line and repaired. A man of many firsts, Benjamin D. Foulois, 
after enlisting in the Army at the time of the Spanish-American War and being commissioned during his service in the Philippines, Benjamin D. Benny Fulwa entered the aviation section of the Signal Corps in 1907, where he participated in the acceptance tests of the Army's first semi-rigid dirigible and its first airplane, the Wright Flyer, Signal Corps No. 1. In 1910, he took the aircraft to Fort Sam Houston, Texas, where he conducted tests to demonstrate the aircraft's military usefulness. After completing the organization of the 1st Aero Squadron, Fulwa commanded the Pancho Villa Expedition, and after the United States entered World War I, Fulwa played a major role in planning and implementing the $640 million aviation program. In 1917, Brigadier General Fulwa was named Chief of the Air Service for the American Expeditionary Force, moved to Washington, D.C. in 1927 to become Assistant Chief of the Air Service, and in 1931 was promoted to Major General as Chief of the Air Corps.